All right. Go ahead and ask your question, sir. If you make it... If we pray uh, and we want to know what God wants, do we actually listen for our voice? Do you think God speaks in a voice that we can hear? Uh, or do we just need to interpret from like the Bible or um, something like that? I'm going to share my opinion. That doesn't mean that is the answer, the final answer, the exhaustive answer, but God talks in different ways. Uh, number one, the most important one, God talks to his word. Mm-hmm. In Testimonies, volume six, 6, it says that prayer and study should never be separated. And she says, through prayer, we talk to God, to the word he talks to us. Mm-hmm. So number one, priority is the word. And many people would like just to pray or just to study, but they don't understand that these things go together. Number one. Number two, uh, the more time we spend with God, the more we know him. And God is very consistent. God doesn't change. We humans are blown by the wind left and right, and we change, and we have emotions, and we are high one time and high. I'm not talking about drugs, like emotions. Oh, yeah, and then one time depressed and... God is the same. He knows what you do. He knows what you are going to do tomorrow. And he still loves you. And he still chose to die for you. And he doesn't change that. And the way he treats you and everything. And so, basically, the more you get to know God, how he works, the more you understand when he works. And that's an answer. But number three, very interesting. God does talk different ways, like in the past and in the present. He talks to people through dreams and through circumstances and through providence and so on and so forth. He would close doors, open doors. And this is what I have to say here. Those things have to be verified with the Bible. If somebody comes, oh, I had a dream. From now on, I can cheat on my spouse. That's not from God. You follow me? It, it has to be supported by the Bible. However, saying that, saying that, when when God talks to you through those ways, I'm talking about providence. He, people come to me, I know I, I got, literally somebody said to me, I got to marry this girl because I prayed if the light would turn red when I get there and the light turn red. Yeah. I told him, I said, brother, you need to pray a lot more. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> What I'm trying to say, when God works to providence, things don't happen in a natural, normal way. Things happen in ways that normally would make nonsense, no logic, no human intervention, happen in a way that even if you are blind, you see it. If you are deaf, you hear it. So when God really speaks, you will hear it. I have a problem with your question. And now let me tell you the problem. People say, what if I don't know God's voice and God's plan and I do a mistake? That's not the problem. God doesn't consider, God winks to ignorance. God closes his eyes when you do a mistake or you, are, you go in the wrong direction because you don't know. The problem I have is not to people that don't know, but to people that know and yet they try to convince God to bless their plan and to go their way. That's the problem that I have. And so let me explain it a little here. I'm giving you a little sermon. So let me explain a little. If you honestly, anybody, I'm not talking to you, anybody, whoever you are, if you honestly want to follow God's plan with all your heart, God looks to the heart. 
And if you give him permission, because God respects our choice, that's love. To know that somebody will do something and yet respect his choice, give him the freedom to choose. So if you give him permission and say, Lord, I want to follow your plan. I just don't know it. I would love to do it. I just don't know it. So please, I give you permission to close any possible doors, to do whatever you want, whatever necessary. Just don't let me go in the wrong direction. When you give him permission, say, just don't let me do a mistake. Trust me. He will. And the reason people say, well, I did and nothing happened, is because they don't understand the Bible verse that they see in everybody's life in the Bible. Those who wait upon the Lord. They just don't wait. They pray and do it themselves. Because when God works, usually he works in the last moment. He never works early. As far as I know in my experience and the Bible stories, God never works early. He will not give you the next year plan today. When you get there, one hour before he's going to give it to you. You you understand? So I gave you a few answers. If if you want to add, please, I I know. I agree. Uh, A lot of of people ask me this as well. How do you know God's God's voice? And uh, for me, it's very simple. Like, uh, how do you know that? How do you know what kicks your best friend, or what's what's uh, what inspires your best friend? It's time spending with that person. And I realize, friends, that uh, most of the time we just want the answer, but we don't want the relationship. Mm. The answer comes with the relationship with him. And you know for a fact that when you are together with your best friend, or your girlfriend, or your boyfriend, when some something when you are in a situation, you'll know that that situation irritates or inspires the person who's close to you. Why? Because you know each other so well. So this is what the Lord desires for us. The moment you have that, that chance with Him, as Pastor already reiterated, He communicates with us differently because we are, we are unique individuals. And I, I want to emphasize what my friend said. We have a tendency to be very pragmatic and very... Uh, results oriented not relationship oriented we want results we want fruits we want answers we want blessings right now we don't have the time to spend in relationship and you'll never know what God wants before you spend time with him to get to know him and uh, that takes time relationships take time Relationship. If you really want a good relationship with somebody, you need to spend time. You want a relationship with your children, you'll never have unless you spend time with them. And so on that line, it was in our cup second week in that district. And, uh, and, uh, and we always believe in relationships. We have seen good results with our churches because of the relationship, not the sermons, not the programs. Those are important, but not. I mean, 1,000 sermons didn't unite the church as a tomato fight that we had at our house or a snowball fight or, you know, I mean, or a water slide. When people come and spend time and have activities and pray and share and stay around the bonfire, and that's when people connect relationships, do things together, go in a mission trip together, do things together. And so we invited people over. And brother, that Thursday, we bought our first furniture since we were in America. Ooh. We were like, watch it. It was 3000 first furniture. And they came and it was raining, mud, 
outside, dirty. And the kids of one lady that had no husband, on my new couch, <laughs> without taking their shoes off, with mud, they jumped and they started to jump. Oh, heaven. <laughs> my stomach started to go this way, and when I get angry, my ears turn instantly red. <laughs> I was ready to explode, to forget every drop of Christianity, to say, what's wrong with you? Aren't you a little educated and polite? Get off my couch, I just bought it. And, and I was ready. And my wife looks to my ears, <laughs> and she does this. In that second, I knew I need to go to the kitchen with her. She didn't say any words in public, in front of the church members. There were over 30 people in the living room. They're crowded. Those kids screaming and jumping. My stomach exploding. She just looks to me, looks to my ears. And she says, so I, I said, can we wait? I got to say, say fast. I need to go and stop them. And she says, do you love people? Yes. You sure about it? Yes. More than furniture. <laughs> I said, well. <laughs> and she said, think about it. Do you want to save furniture or you want to save people? You need to make a decision tonight. Brother, when she said that, I got, my legs kind of became not so strong anymore because I had to choose. She says, do you want to save furniture or you want to save people? I said, Dana, but they are not connected. I can save people and yet keep the furniture. <laughs> and she said, not tonight. <laughs> I got so frustrated. And she says, go in the backyard, take five minutes, go and pray alone. And let me deal with it. I knew that if I don't do that, it's going to be a mess. So I went in the backyard praying. She took cookies. She went to those kids, gave them a hug, and gave them cookies, and called them to the kitchen. If you want to eat more, come over. And she solved the problem without any conflict. Next Sabbath, the lady came to me crying. She hugged me like a million times. And she said, my husband left me. He never takes care of the children. I fail to discipline them because they want to go to him because he gives them gifts. And she says, when they started to jump on your couch, I felt miserable and I was afraid to discipline them because they say, why will you go to daddy? And she said, I knew that you would just come and scream and tell me to discipline my kids. And yet you said nothing. You went to the kitchen to help your wife. So kind. <laughs> so kind. And your wife hugged them and loved them as Jesus loves people. Amen. And that lady loved us, and she told the whole church, what a patient pastor. <laughs> <laughs> you get the picture? How did I know when my wife looked to me and what she wanted? How did she know me? How did she know about the children? How did she know? When you spend time with God and time with somebody, all these things, you start to see. You start to you feel them. You Basically, all those things happen naturally. Oh, wow. Answer your question? <laughs> Imagine if we have 10 questions, that's 10 liter sermons. I know, we're actually half away from the time. <laughs> so, anyone else? I understand that when we are young, we, know, we don't know much about God. We don't know how He works. We don't know He's dealing with people. 
but from experience I can tell for sure that even when we make horrible mistakes, because Jesus won the victory over sin, curse, and death, he can turn any curse into a blessing. So we are not uh, sure what to choose. God is loving. He let us follow the course of our choices. But the condition is to repent. If we repent, any curse in our life can be changed into a blessing for eternity. Repent. Anyone else who has a question? All right. I just want to know. Oh, that. hang on. Wait for the mic. We got to get it for Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I. I need an explanation. What is faith? Oh, I think faith is another word for faith is surrender. And when you what ask, is faith? No, yeah. no. Believe, trust. Is trust another word for faith? Is trust. But is it true that when you trust the Lord and you ask for more faith? You're going to have more trials. So let's, we know that it's not a joke. It's just that you have a good point. You, you pray for faith and you get trials. Uh, my friend, you want to start the answer? I started last time. <laughs> so what is faith? If you look carefully in Hebrew, in Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter of faith, if you look carefully, it says in the beginning, verse 7, 8, 9, 10, somewhere there, it says that by faith, listen carefully now, they were saved from the sword. By faith, they were saved from the lion's den. By faith, they were saved from the fire. By faith, they were saved from the animals. By faith. And then you go in the same chapter to verse 25 and 30. It says, by faith, they were killed with the sword. By faith, they were eaten by animals. By faith, they were... So what is faith? Is faith saving you or, or, or killing you, giving you trials and problems? Neither. Faith has nothing to do with those things. We think that faith is to solve problems. Eh, you, did, you, you had faith, that's the reason God worked. You didn't have faith, that's the reason you suffered. Faith has nothing to do with those things. Faith has more to do with relationship, basically. I'm going to go and talk a little nonsense. If you call my wife and says, I saw him taking drugs. I saw him with a girl. They were hugging each other. My wife is going to shake her head and say, I know him so well. If you told me that he talked too much, I would believe you. But if you told me those things, I know him. I have faith in him. What is faith? It's a relationship that leads to a degree of knowledge, of knowing somebody. To the degree that you cannot see that person, you know what to expect and you trust that person. Do you follow me? Let me explain a little what I said. Faith has nothing to do with the method to get answers to prayers. Faith is not an abracadabra, Aladdin's lamp, to get God work whatever we say. Faith 
is to know God to the degree that when you don't see what is happening around you, you know him enough to trust that he is in control and to wait on him. For instance, we are driving in Montana. We got to the top of the mountain. I don't know, 20, 12, 13, 14,000 feet, I don't know. And we started to go down. And as we are going down, anybody that has been driving there, you know what I am talking about. The road goes like this, 180, 180. In the left side, mountain. In the right side, valley so deep that you don't even see all the way down. Our brakes broke. When you drive a van with no brakes down the mountain and you have your wife, two kids, and a friend with you, imagine the terror. Our friend, Mr. Ralph, grabbed the, that handle in front of the passenger side. You know what I'm talking about? And he was like, white, the face, his hair was like in movies, you know. My wife was crying, quiet but sobbing, and the kids were playing video games. Next, next. And Ralph says, how can you play? And they, dad is driving. <laughs> we have been through snow, we have been through tornado, we have been through a flood that was as tall as the windshield. Dad is driving and the angels are with him. You should know that by now. Wow. <laughs> That's faith. You understand what is faith? They didn't have any proof, any mathematical logic or whatever physics to know what was going to happen. But they knew me. And they said, Dad is driving and the angels are with him. And you should know that. That's faith. What we did by God's grace, nonsense end of the story because you may be curious and doesn't answer your question. I prayed. And then I said, I'm going to ruin a transmission and some tires, but save five lives. So I put it in a lower gear. It did destroy the transmission. And I put the wheels in the left side on the curb and kept them like this until the tires just were totally ruined, until the van slowed down and we could stop. And then somebody told us and so on and so forth. But nothing happened. And the kids said at the end of the story, when we were at the place where they were fixing the car. The kids look to each other and to Mr. Alpha and they say, we told you? <laughs> That's faith. How could they have known that? When you know God enough that you don't see what is going on, you don't see him working, but you say, he's at the wheel. That's faith. Amen. I agree. <laughs> Good. Very good. All right. I, we're six minutes left, so probably one more question because it gets longer. I love it. Raise your hand. I'm all the way there. There you go. Thank you, Pastor. Pastor, uh, if you can go back to the topic of prayer, I have a question. When we ask something from God, how specific that request must be? Generic prayers are prayers that we don't care about. When you say, forgive my sins, that's when you don't say anything. When you say, thank you for your blessings, that's when you don't say anything. Don't expect an answer. 
When you say, Lord, be with the poor, that says nothing. That means that I don't care for the poor. Lord, may the gospel be preached in the whole world. Da, da, da. That's, excuse me, Bologna. Prayers that get an answer are only specific prayers. I am praying for my church. No, that's not the prayer you should pray. When you pray for the church, you take every name. You are specific. When you confess your sin, you name it. When you praise the Lord for the blessings, you name it. Lord, I lost my passport. I prayed. I found it under the carpet. Thank you. You are specific. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits. God told Moses in Deuteronomy, write these things and read them to their children again and again so they shall not forget what I have done for them. Ellen White says, we have nothing to fear unless we forget. Also, in a letter that she sent to somebody that says, how can I grow in faith and trust God in trials? She says, every time you pray, write it down Journal it. Write it down. And when you struggle, look to previous answered prayers, how God has worked for you in the past. And as you see how God has worked in the past, it's going to give you strength for the present trials. Basically, prayers must be specific. That's the reason specific real prayers take time. Because generic, it takes 15 seconds. Lord, be with the church, be with the poor, be with the gospel. Amen. And what we do when we pray generic, we throw back to God what he gave us to do. Okay, that was a short sir, uh, answer. <laughs> yeah, I think I just like to add to what Pastor Goya has talked about, and most of the time, especially when when I was starting with the with the prayer ministry, all the while I thought that prayer is just like a science to twist the arm of God to get answers, but actually it is really a way to to know His will, because His will is way better than the answers that you want. And uh, I guess one of the most favorite uh, prayer quotes that I, I encountered is that thing that I read last time. What is prayer and what is the purpose of it? It is expressing your consent to the Lord, what He is willing to do. Uh, so let me add a little. Uh, the Spirit of Prophecy says that our prayers are not to inform God He knows everything. So what can you tell Him that he doesn't know. Oh, let me tell you, Lord, you don't know. Let me explain. He knows everything. In fact, when he says, uh, in, in, in Romania, he says, uh, he shows me from afar. But in Hebrew, I don't know the word in English, the verse. But in Hebrew, it says, he knows my thoughts from afar before they are formed. God knows your thoughts before you think it, before they are formed. So what can you tell him that he doesn't know? Therefore, when you talk to him, you don't talk to tell him what to do or what is going on. You talk to him so he can tell you what is going on and you can know him. So prayer is, number one, to know God and his plans. Number two, to build relationship. Number three, to basically have a, uh, an open conversation when you give him consent, accept a let him work. And we have a tendency to say it, but not mean it. For instance, we say, may you be done. But then we act on it. We don't give him time to work. When you talk to God, you need to really mean it. Think it and mean it. So do the way you pray. You follow me? Anyway, I don't want to add more because then we go into the prayer seminar and it takes about 11 hours. So. Okay, one last question. Um... I'm in a wheelchair for 45 years now. 
and that the first we prayed is my first text until our hearts were broken, our faith was ready to be shaken on the ground. And then finally, I was anointed, and nothing happened. And now, read from Alvai that God is displeased when we do not place the highest demand upon his goodness. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so is it advisable or okay to pray, Lord, just heal me partially, where but nobody sees, my struggles that nobody sees. I'm the only one who suffers. And I'm saying, Lord, just that part of my life, just heal it. So this is a tough one. I'm not sure I have an answer. I will attempt to try to answer. I'm not sure I have one because I had struggles in my life, not like yours, but I don't want to go in details. It's too painful, but uh, we had quite a share of struggles. And the one that I shared yesterday was nothing compared to some other struggles. And uh, like losing a baby and so on, you know, we had our share of struggles and losing my father was one of them. And I prayed and nothing happened. And so let me say a few things that they are not an answer, but an attempt to talk to you about it. I don't have the answer. But so what I say, I don't pretend. I want you to hear, uh, not go around. Pastor Goya said that this is the answer. No, what I say, I don't pretend is the answer. I am just brainstorming. I'm just trying, attempting to look to different perspectives. I don't have the answer. So let me tell you what thoughts I have about it. Number one, it takes a lot more faith. Not everybody is able to take a no. Mm -hmm. Everybody is able to take a yes. yes. It takes a lot more faith not to get an answer. God cannot honor too many people with that no. Mm -hmm. Number one. Number two, trust me, it's a lot harder not to get an answer and still be strong. There are things in our life that we, until today, we cannot explain. When I get to heaven, I know I'll get an answer. But until then, I have to stay strong. But number two, you need to know God enough. I mean, we say, oh, Job lost 10 children, but he got another 10. That's not a result. That's not an answer. When you lose 10, the other 10 don't replace the first 10. Mm -hmm. You follow me? Yes. The pain is still there. Because they are not, oh, I lost this battle and she gave me a... No. We talk about 10 lives. Mm. So the pain was still there. But the second point was, when you know God enough, you don't need to know why. You just know that he loves you. And that, listen carefully, he lost more on the cross for you. Yes. And you need to say, literally to say, physically say it. I don't know what is going on. But I'm going to choose to trust in his wisdom and love. But number three, this is better answer than the first two. We don't live for this. Amen. We have this tendency, nonsense tendency. And I'm going to give you number four that is really tough to accept. And I don't pretend you to accept it. We have this tendency, nonsense tendency, to focus on 80 years or 90, whatever. 
But if you compare them with eternity that is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, millions, billions, trillions, quadrillions, zillions of years, forever, no end, these eight years in eternity become a little dot in a long, infinite timeline. And we want, give me everything here. I want this and I want that here. And God says, I didn't come and died so you have comfort here. I came and died so you get that. Amen. Eternity. Jesus died that we may have eternal life, not this life. And so you are transitory here. And I'm going to let whatever necessary. Amen. Doesn't matter if you lose an eye. I'm sorry, obviously, for your situation. But Jesus says, if you lose a leg, if you lose an eye, stop focusing on this. The point is that you gain that. And then Paul says that these trials are not even worthy to be compared with the glory to come. Basically, uh, we need to stop focusing on this. Because we are transitory here. Our goal is not this. Should be that. All the patriarchs, all the prophets, all people of faith, they didn't live for this. They lived for that. And they were willing to even die or suffer here. You follow me? But the fourth one is the tough one to swallow. Listen carefully. I have a tendency to believe. And again, I don't pretend I have the answer. Don't argue with me because I, I'm going to say, didn't I tell you I'm not sure about it? And I will finish instead of arguing back. Listen carefully. If you look carefully in the spirit of prophecy, I know the paragraph you talk about. And I just read in the morning from Christian service and you shall receive power. In both of them it happened that reading, it says he's going to be with you in every prayer, in every, and then next sentence, when you want to serve. When you pray for others, when you want to be a blessing for others. So basically, my understanding was not that he's going to give you whatever you ask. Healing, help with job, help with marriage, help with... But that he's going to help you when you go in mission. I'm not talking about Africa or whenever. can be mission to the neighbor or mission in Africa or mission in... Doesn't matter. But when you don't serve self, when you don't ask for self... I really don't see Jesus ever in his life, ever praying one prayer for self. Did you? He prayed one prayer for self in Gethsemane. Please take the cup away. And that's the single prayer that God didn't answer. And so my understanding, if you look in the Bible, every time Jesus did a miracle, the miracle was not meant to help them. Whoa. But to save them. Let me explain. I could pick 10, 20 examples. I'm going to give you one or two. They brought the paralyzed. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. They say, who do you think you are? And Jesus says, for you to believe. What's the point? For you to believe that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins, I say, take your bed and walk. So what was the reason for the miracle? For them to believe that he was Messiah. So basically, let's look from a human perspective. What would have been easier for God? To say, take your bed, or to give Jesus on the cross? <laughs> to say, take your bed and walk, he says, take your bed, healed. But to give Jesus was a lot more painful. Yet, he chose to give Jesus on the cross. And so what I am trying to say, the point was salvation, not another example, Lazarus. Jesus resurrected Lazarus. 
He would he resurrect my sister or my brother or my father? What was the point to resurrect Lazarus? That he may live another two, three, four years and then be persecuted by the Pharisees and die? Because he eventually did die. Lazarus is not alive anymore. Okay. So what was the point? That he may live another two short, troubled, sick, COVID years? Was that the point? Remember what Jesus says. Father, do this so they may believe in me. What was the point to resurrect Lazarus? It was not that he may live another two years. Jesus didn't come to give us this life. It was that they can have a chance to salvation because he badly wanted them in heaven. So everything that he did, he did with the hope, not that they get a little more comfort in this life, but that they finally see him and learn to trust in him and to know him and to have a relationship with him. And his point was that they may have a chance to salvation. And so in that light... I personally stopped insisting for myself. It's hard to believe. But I do tell God my problems. Cast upon him all your... You remember? But you see, we fail to read the Bible properly. When he says that we should cast all our cares upon him. The word in Greek to cast is translated literally word by word from Greek to English to throw, it was used when they would cast the same word, cast stones to kill somebody. Translated is to throw something so far that you cannot take it back. To cast your, your problems upon Jesus is to give them to him and you don't take them back and keep carrying them on your back. You give them to him and you remember, he doesn't forget. We have a tendency to think that if we don't tell him again and again and again, he may forget. He doesn't. You forget. He doesn't. And if he wants to answer, he will. In his time, in his way. And if he says no, he says, my grace. Paul the apostle said, please, Lord. And God said to him, my grace is sufficient. And God never addressed Paul's problem. You remember what I'm talking about? John the Baptist Jesus never, he said, tell him the miracles that happened. And Jesus never intervened to save John the Baptist from the, from the sword. Am I right? And so you cast it, you leave it with him, and you trust that if he wants, he will answer in his way, in his time. And you let God be God. So what I do? I tell him, not because he doesn't know, but rather to give him permission to work. And then I leave it with him, and I insist praying not for me, because I don't want to twist God's arm. Please, 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 please do that, do that. Because you may live to regret it. Mm. See King Zedekiah. Please, Lord, I don't want to die. Please, Lord, please, Lord. It's okay. And Eleanor says, Those, that was the greatest tragedy of Israel. Because of that, they went slave in Babylon. Mm -hmm. you, you, you follow me? Yes. Let God be God. Because he loves you so much. If there was another way, he would certainly do it. He has no pleasure that his children suffer. Amen. You follow me? And so, I don't have an answer for you, brother. But I do know that we don't live for this. Amen. And so, my prayer would be, Lord, I trust in you. I know that you can heal me. You say the word and pff, here I am, jumping. I know that you can heal me. However, may your will be done. But my prayer is not going to be for me anymore, Lord. Because you already know, I already prayed. Uh, this is my prayer. Wherever I am, I know you can use a donkey. You can use a stone. So you certainly, in my situation, can use me. 
Show me what to do. And I'm going to keep praying this prayer. How to save others. So I learned in my situation. When I pray for me a lot, the more I pray, the more problems I get. Literally. And the more I pray, the more depressed I get. And when I stop praying for me, I give it to Jesus and say, I'm going to, I say, I say, I say, I'm going to trust you. And stop it and then move and pray for others. Listen carefully the nonsense that I say now. The more I pray for others, not only that I get answers for them, amazing answers, but the more my problems get solved. Literally. So I learned that I don't need to address them too much. The more I focus on others, the more God can focus on me. So I don't have to focus on self. There is a quotation. As God called you to serve. Period. And then she continues. If you keep serving, he will fight for you and defend you and work for you. You don't need to. And so, now let me ask you. You say, pastor, that I should pray only one time for me? No. I don't know how long you should pray for you. But I do know that when I pray, I ask God how to pray. Because Romans 8 says that we don't know how to pray. So I say, Lord, this is a serious problem. It's cancer. Inspire me how much I should talk to you about it. And you say, Pastor, that's nonsense. God, you said that God already knows. You don't, tell, you don't need to tell him 2,000 times. Listen carefully. For instance, for this problem, I decide. Turn it off. For this, for this problem, I decide to pray a month, as it was for children in Norway, those that heard the, the story. For this problem, I decide to pray a week, and for this one time. How do I know how long? I don't. I just look how serious is the problem, and I ask him how much I should stay on it. Why do I pray more times, like a month? Is because he doesn't know or to convince him? No. But because that situation, God may require me to do something. And I need to pray long enough to be tuned to whatever he says. Because when God talks, he talks big. And if you don't spend enough time with him, you are not going to do it. You are not going to get it. It's like he says, build an ark. That's really big. It's like he says, go to war with 300 soldiers and no sword. You got to be crazy to do that. So I pray enough not to convince him. Brother, turn it off. I pray enough not to convince him, but to make sure that I am so connected that when he tells me what is my part, I am so connected that I do whatever crazy he says. Not that God is crazy. Don't get me wrong. That, but, but because for the human mind doesn't make sense. I mean, what sense would make Moses alone to go bef before Pharaoh? Pharaoh could have killed him. So you need to pray enough to be ready when God says something big to hear and do without questions. So when I pray long for something, I don't pray to convince God, but rather to be ready. Okay, I think I gave you about five answers. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Pastor Goya and Brother for answering your questions. With that in mind, we'll have a seven-minute break. And before that, let's, let's pray again. Let's bow our hands. Father God in heaven, thank you again for being with us. Lord, there's a lot of questions that we have in our heart. Some of us might not have been able to say, but Lord, please be with us. And there's something answered there that you will reveal it to us. Maybe it's not going to be here. Maybe... When you come, we will find out why. 
but let us trust in you until the end. Thank you, Father, for this time. In Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.